Malachi 4. (laughs) Verse 1, it says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Jesus is coming back. Amen? Amen. And we're all going to be like fat cows. (laughs) That's good news. I mean, you know, so I don't know but no, that's good news. Jesus is coming back. Amen? Amen. And we're, 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 we're closing in on that day, I think. But praise God. Healing. Healing and provision. God's got it all for us. And he, you know, we, we're, we, he's, the word says that we, uh, he gives us a life and life more abundantly. Right? So we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to live an abundant life. Amen? Let's all stand this morning. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that we can be called the righteousness of God. We can be called children of God, and we are. Father, we thank you that you give us an abundant life here on earth. Father God, and for eternity, for those that you call righteousness, your righteousness, we thank you for it, Lord Jesus. Father, we give you all the glory and the honor because you are worthy to be praised. So we just pause this morning. And we give you glory. We worship you. We set our hearts and our minds and our face toward you this morning. Because, God, you are worthy. And you're good all the time all the time. You are good. We thank you for it, and we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we do love you. We do love you because you first loved us. And Lord, we do pour out our hearts because there's no one else that's worthy of that kind of devotion. You have done it all for us. 
And so, Father, we acknowledge here this morning this in these songs, in our words, in our heart, in our, now I, I, I pray, our actions, that we show that devotion, that we live out that devotion that we sing about this morning. We thank you for this opportunity this morning to worship you in spirit and in truth, to worship you in your presence. Lord, you're here. Where two or more are gathered, there you are in the midst. And I thank you, Father, that your presence, in your presence is fullness of joy, fullness of life, fullness of all things. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we give you that glory and honor today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, turn with me to Jude. Jude chapter... Good. Jude chapter 1. How did she know it was going to be Jude chapter 1? Because there's only one chapter in Jude. It's easy. That was a test. Part of our reading this week, I say that every week, but not every week because I don't preach out of it every week, but Jude was part of what we read this week. It's good stuff. You need to read it all. I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to read a few verses. But I just want to just once again, just keep, keep putting it out there because, you know, they, they used to say you had to say something seven times for people to actually hear it, you know, because... People's attention spans were not, you know, the way they should be. You should be able to say it once. You know, that's the way I raised, that's the way my dad raised me. If he said it once. I wish I'd have been better at that. Used to be seven times. You know how many times they say you have to say something now for people to actually get it? 24 times. Uh, somebody, Andrew. Yeah, what did I say? Exactly. Isn't that just crazy? You've got to say it 24 times. That means if I say it every other week, somebody at the end of the year will go, oh, man, that was good. Where'd, I've heard that somewhere before, yeah. But we're reading through the Bible every two years. I encourage you to do it. I encourage you. You'll, by the end of the sermon today, you'll even know another reason why you should be in the Word every single day. Every day, you should be in the Word. You should be, should be reading it. You should be meditating on it. You should be memorizing it. You need to be in the Word. You need to be in the Word. That's all right. My wife, she reads the Bible every day. That's good enough. No. No, you need to read the Word every day. Well, my, my, my parents do. No, you do. Each and every one. Take your finger, put it in the middle of your chest, say, I do. Exactly. I do. All right, Jude, verse 17. I'm going to read a few verses here and make a few comments and then move on. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers. I think, I think that fits. <laughs> Following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, 
waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. And there's much more. You can read that at your own leisure. I just want to say a few things about this, and then we're going to do something. We're going to, we're going to work something out here. Going back to verse 17. But you, you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ that said to you, in the last time there'll be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. The world's full of that now. It's everywhere you look. We don't have to keep harping on that. You know it. You see it. You feel it. And it's not just the complete ungodly. It's not just the, uh, the world. Even within the body of Christ, there are scoffers. There are those who don't believe the Word at all. There are, you know, there are, there are groups of people that meet in places that look like churches that aren't Christians. It's kind of a bummer to think about that, isn't it? But it's true. There are people out there who do not believe that Jesus is the only way. Even within things they call churches. Man, you know, that's not for you guys this morning. You're in a, you're in a church where we, we preach the gospel. We preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We, you're in a place every week. You're listening, you're reading, you're, you're in that. But there may be somebody watching by TV today. Or by, not even TV. I guess we do do TV, don't we? Yeah, we do TV. Yeah, by TV. You might be watching by internet. You might be somehow somebody gave you an address or you stumbled on this by whatever and you, you're a part of a church that doesn't believe that the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross, His sin, His, His blood paid for your sin and that you must be born again. There are churches, churches that are social gatherings that talk about we need to be good people. We do need to be good people. Be good people. Stop it. Whatever you're doing that's not being good, stop it. Of course that's part of it. But the only way we can be good is because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's it. It's the only answer. It's the only way. And if you're a part of one of those churches, get out! Get out! Run! Because in the last day, there'll be scoffers. You know, this actually kind of puts it into the framework. They said in the last time, there'll be scoffers following their own ungodly passions in, in these who cause divisions. The reason they can cause divisions is they're in the body of Christ. Body of Christ. I, I keep doing this. You know why I keep doing this? Because not everything that looks and, looks and sounds and smells like a church is a church. Or is it is the church? And, and, and we're we're coming down to the end of all things, folks. We're coming down to the end. You do not have time to waste in an organization or a group that is not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You do not have time. You do not have time to be going, well, I'll just stay here and you know, be good. And hopefully God will understand. 
He said, there is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. It's Jesus. Amen. It only gets better from here. Just, you know, just so you know, in case the tension was getting too much for you. It's going to get better, I promise. Verse 20. But you... Look at somebody next to you and go, but you. But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Be filled with the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. You need to be praying in the Spirit all the time. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Holy Spirit prays through you. And the Bible says you get edified. You get built up. Doesn't he, oh, I don't know what I'm saying. That's okay. Just do it anyway by faith. The more you pray in the Spirit, the more you pray in tongues, the more you pray, as you pray, the power of God flows through you, and you benefit from that power flowing through you. He's able to pray things that you wouldn't pray in the natural, because you wouldn't have the guts to pray it. I tell the prayer group on that every Wednesday, many, many Wednesdays. Why do we pray in the Spirit when we pray? Because many times we wouldn't pray what the Holy Spirit wants to pray through you because we, our minds are going, that can't happen. I can't believe for that. So he just bypasses that. You know, Paul said, when you pray, pray in your spirit. Sometimes your mind is unfruitful. But then also pray in your understanding so that your mind is fruitful. I had somebody tell me, somebody very close and dear to me, I don't want to pray in the Spirit because then my mind's not fruitful then why did Paul say, pray always in the Spirit? Why? Because your spirit needs to be in control. Your mind is full of all kinds of goofy things. Trust me, I know you. you got all kinds of goofy thoughts, and the mind needs to be regenerated. But it starts in the Spirit. You can't regenerate the mind by just going, I will that my mind is regenerated. You know? No, it starts in the Spirit, and it, his, his Spirit changes us and gives life to the Word which washes the mind. His Spirit explains the Word, points the Word to the, yeah, see, you need to deal with this today, that today, whatever it is. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That's the tough one, isn't it? That's the toughie. I can pray in the Spirit, man, because that's just me and God. I can, I can read His Word. I love spending time in His presence. But He says we have to stay in love. That means we have to walk in love with people. Oh. I know! <laughs> exactly! Ugh! You have to walk in love with your spouse. Amen. That one. That's one. Yeah, that didn't count. It came after he said amen. No. All right, let's try this again. You need to walk in love with your spouse. Amen. Okay, but don't look at your spouse and go, amen. You, you need to walk in love with your spouse. You need to walk in love with your coworker that you can't stand because he's one of those fans. You all know what I'm talking about. Or he's one of those political affiliations. 
You know that you have to walk in love with the other person who's of a different political affiliation? Oh, that's a toughie, man. I'm telling you, that's a rough one. Especially when they're swearing at you. That's one of the comments. Just for those in the, in the, in the uh, watching online here, or listening to this. Yeah, especially when they're swearing at you. Yeah. Just because they're swearing at you doesn't, doesn't go, well, see, I'm, I'm free now. I cannot love you, you know. <laughs> I, I was going to save this till, till a bit later, but I had this on my heart already to preach this. And then last night, we watched the not feel good movie of the summer. Tortured for Christ. Anybody watch that? You need to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Deb says don't watch it. I'm telling you, you need to watch it. It puts things into perspective. It puts things into perspective. Richard Warmbrand was tortured for Christ for 14 years. 14 years. I, I had read the book. I had read his book back in the 70s. You know, as a teenager, I read, and that kind of set me on a different course than some people. I just, you know, I think differently than some, but I read his book. And I, as the, as the movie is playing out, I'm going, whoa, I remember that line. And one of the lines that they use in the movie that was also in, you know, that was one of his lines is, the guards love to beat us, and we love to preach the gospel to them. Everybody was happy. Think about that for a second. They, they would purposefully witness to the guards and the guards would beat them for witnessing. He says, we love to preach the gospel. We loved to preach the gospel. The guards loved to beat us. So everybody was happy. Think about that for a second. I mean, if there's anybody that you think, well, okay, I don't have to love them. You know, and that, that movie's hard to watch, I'm telling you. But I encourage you to watch it. Because it puts things into perspective of life. One of the, well, I won't tell you the most, but it's just, there's some powerful, powerful parts in that book, or in that, well, the book and the, the movie. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That's right, I said it was going to get better, didn't I? Sorry, that was, you know, okay, we'll get, it's going to get better from here, I promise. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Verse 22, have mercy on those who doubt. Have mercy on those who doubt. You know, in the midst of this life, in the midst of this day forward, there are those, and it's probably us, those of us, who will have opportunity to doubt that God can really solve the problem that lays in front of us. But it's in those moments that we have to have mercy for one another. Hey, it's okay. I get it. Yeah, but I'm struggling right now. That's okay. We all struggle. Mercy. Mercy helps people through. Praise God for the mercy of God. Because He understands what's really happening in your heart and in your mind. And He still has mercy on you. He knows what the, he already knows what the outcome is. He's going, you got this, you got this, we're just about there. And you're going, ah, I give up. I give up, I can't handle it. No, no. And then he has mercy on us and gives us the grace to take one more step, to take one more step. But have mercy on one another for those who doubt. 
Verse 23, save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. That's one of the more another powerful part of that movie last night is in the midst of prison, 14 years in prison. He, uh, Richard Wormbrand, developed tuberculosis. And, you know, you, you start, all of a sudden your theology starts to go, well, why? I mean, God's supposed to be there, supposed to be protected. He, he developed tuberculosis. And he got sent from that prison to another. And in the book, if you've ever, ever read the book, the book says he actually saw that as, as, as the grace of God because he was no longer beaten daily. But he was at a hospital with tuberculosis. He had a very bad case of tuberculosis. And he, he said, at least I wasn't being beaten every day. And he's in this hospital and he's dying from it. And there was a room, 4B. Is that it? 4B? Room four, room four. That if you got taken to room four, that's it. That's your last, you're dead. You're dying. You're going to die. And he was taken to room four. And there was men there that died every day. People would be brought in. They would die from it and so on. He was there. He was there for months. They had given him two weeks to live when they brought him to room four. He lived there. He stayed in that room, sick with TV, for months and months and months, many months. And he said, not one man died in that room apart from Christ. He and others led every single man to Christ. He said, even the most hardened atheist in the last moments would repent. That's the grace of God. That's the mercy of God. That's literally snatching them out of the fire. There's a one quote, another quote of his. It's, he's actually quoting someone else, and I'm sorry I didn't write down the name of the person. Uh, I'll have to re. I'll have to find it. But he was quoting someone else, another man who was in the prison with him while he was being tortured, another believer, another Christian, who said this, and he's quoting that man. He said, and this man said, every soul won to Christ must be made a soul winner. Every soul won to Christ must be made a soul winner. We're not naturally a soul winner. We're not naturally in, uh, moved to put ourselves out there to share Christ. We have to be taught. We have to be, we have to be inspired. We have to be trained. We have to be, to be moved in that direction. Because most people won't do it. And I could stand up here and tell you why, you know, all the reasons. One is some people don't do it because they're just plain afraid. I get that. I've been afraid many times. Some people won't do it because they don't know what to do. They've not been trained to be a soul winner. And that's why I love that, that quote is every soul won to Christ must be made to be a soul winner. 
We need to, we need to t- spend time training people to be soul winners. How to, how to share your faith. You know, we did this a few weeks ago, a number of weeks, maybe a month or so, a month and a half ago. And uh, I kind of talked along this line, and, and then I, I uh, had the Roman road. Remember that? Those of you that were here, you did the Roman road, and, and you shared with somebody else. You, you, you shared the Roman road just off the piece of paper. You just said, oh, you know, and you read it to someone else, and you talked about it. That's part of the training. The more, the more you go, oh, oh, that's all I, that's what I have to say. That's what, this is more simple than I thought. This is interesting. Okay, I can do that. And I don't know if anybody shared anything past that. I'm not checking up on anybody. But I can tell you one thing. That morning, somebody got saved because we did that. Somebody here got saved that morning because we just did that exercise and we shared with somebody in our church who, like, everybody here is saved. I'm, I can guarantee you. I'm sure everybody here is saved. Well, apparently not. Because somebody got saved. I heard about it afterwards. I was in a service in, in Hungary one time. And I was preaching, and, and I, I just felt led to give an altar call, and I gave an altar call, and in the middle of the altar call, the Holy Spirit said, "Tell eat, just have everybody turn to each other and say, do you, are you, do you know you're going to heaven? Do you know that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the Savior of your life? And so I just had him do that. And I said, if they said no, ask them if they want to be saved. And, I, you know, and they're all speaking in Hungarian. I'm talking through a, an interpreter. They're speaking in Hungarian. I don't know what's going on out there. You know, No idea. And all of a sudden I said, okay, if they want to get saved, have them come with them up. And there was a lady in that church. I had been there many times before, many times, probably a dozen times before. She was one of the older members, and she was always there. She always had her Bible. And she, she came forward to get saved. And I finally asked somebody, I said, I said, ask her, I said, you've never been? She goes, no, I've never been saved. I said, why not? Because, I mean, she's been there. She's been there every week. I said, why not? And she goes, nobody ever asked me before. Man, you'd hate to have somebody going to going to hell because just nobody forget, you know, nobody thought to ask them. That's a terrible thing. We can change that. We can change that. Well, that means yeah, and then it means putting yourself out there. Yes, then it means going beyond. But it's time. It's time to get ready. It's time. We have the time right now. That was one of the things in that movie, and I'll quit quoting the movie here in a second. One of the things in the movie that just really struck me was when he was arrested, he was arrested on his way to do a wedding. He was a pastor, and he was on his way to do a wedding, he, and he was stripped of everything. He was stripped of his, his Bibles, his notes. His, I mean, he walked into that prison with nothing. A few months later, his wife was arrested. She was put in a, in a work camp, and she was, everything was taken from her. And as she was working in the work camp, she said every day, she would quote a verse to one person because they weren't allowed to have Bibles. They weren't allowed to preach. They weren't allowed to witness. They weren't allowed to... But as they were working, she would quote one verse a day. And she said that verse would travel through the whole camp. But how could she do that? It's because she memorized that verse. She knew that verse. It was in her. If, if, if all of a sudden it just we just 
stopped, is this whole thing just stopped, would you have enough in you to survive? Would you have enough Word? Would you have enough of a knowledge of God? Would you have enough to make it through 14 years? And at the end of the movie, he showed a number of pictures of men that he spent time with in prison. His 14 years, in some of them, was nothing. There was one man who had been there for 25 years, spent in prison. Would you have enough in you now, right this moment, if this was it, if right like that's it, everything changed right now, would you have enough in you to survive? Because this is the verse that's been rolling around in my heart for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I didn't know where it fit in. I didn't know when to, when to say it, when to preach it. It's in Matthew. Matthew chapter 25, 6 through 9. It's the parable of the ten virgins. Matthew 25, verse 6. It says, But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins, all ten, rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there is not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. Each one of them had to have enough oil in their lamp. They had to have enough for what they needed. They needed it. And the ones who didn't have it in them got left. Got left behind. They didn't make it. We are given time right now. Right now. This was a wake-up call. This last few months, six months, was a wake-up call. Take it, take it, take it, take it. Listen to it. Hear it. Embrace it. Go, I'm, I need, okay, I need to be ready. Am I ready? Am I ready to do what I need to do? Am I ready to make it? Am I ready to, to, to just, okay, if I never had another Bible, could I make it? If I never saw another Bible, never saw another verse, would I have enough in me? To make it. Would I know how to, how to hear the Spirit of God that if, if your wife didn't tell you, don't do that, that's bad. God prayed about it and God said don't do it. Would you have enough in you to be led by the Spirit? To know His voice? Because if not, now's the time. Now's the time to get the oil. Now's the time to get this stuff figured out. Now's the time to walk by faith. Now, when it's easy to do it, This is actually easy. This is not hard yet. It's when you've been locked up for six years. And you don't, he spent, he spent two years in solitary confinement. Never saw another person, never talked to another person for two full years. Three? A long time. Couldn't, you know, I need somebody to encourage me. No, you need to learn to encourage yourself. Why so downcast, oh my soul? I have a friend. He said he, every once in a while he used to have to take, grab his own ears, look in the mirror and go, hey, pay attention here. Knock it off. I love that visual. It's just a, stop it. 
Why so downcast, O my soul? Put, my, put your hope in God. Put your trust in God. Encourage yourself. Would you have enough in you that if the person laying in the bed next to you is dying, to be able to, to lead them to the Lord? I've had the privilege. I've had the honor for God to lead me to witness to somebody who was dying, died two days later. An absolute heathen. Man, this guy was a heathen. Everybody who knew him said, yeah, he's a heathen. And they, somebody asked me to go visit him with them. And I thought they were going to witness to him. We walked in the room, and the Holy Spirit said, ask him if he knows where he's going after this. So I asked him. He goes, nope. I said, has anybody ever told you about Jesus? He said, nope. I said, there was a man named Jesus who was the Son of God, came to this earth and died for your sins. I said, are you a sinner? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, would you like to receive Jesus? What he did on the cross for you, he died for your sins so you could spend eternity with him. Would you like to receive that? And he goes, absolutely. Got saved that day. Two days later, he was dead. Snatched from the, from the fires of hell. Now, that wasn't me. God just, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, knew what to say. It's not because I was a pastor. You notice there was nothing super theological there. That's how, that's how long the conversation lasted. After that, I was like, all right, see you later. I left because I don't even know the guy. Do you have it in you? That's why we need to practice. Brian, can you hand out, can you get a, grab a couple of people and hand out those sheets of paper? Last time we handed out sheets of paper with a Roman road on it. There's an, another way to do this, just a different way. Sometimes it's good to give multiple ways to, to, uh, to work it through. This one's called the Four Spiritual Laws. Four Spiritual Laws. Wasn't that a Billy Graham? Billy Graham? Uh, Bill Bright? Bill Bright? One of them guys. This was their, this was their, uh, their, their way of training people. Just to, here, here's another way to say it. Here's another way to explain it. We're going to go through it to get today, and then we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do the same thing. We're going to have you find somebody you don't know or somebody you don't know well or somebody you feel you know, a little bit uncomfortable talking to. I don't want you to talk to your spouse. I don't want you to talk to your kids. I don't want you to talk to your, your best friend. I want you to look around the room and go, yeah, I don't know that person real well. I'll talk to them. Find somebody just to put a little bit of, little bit of uh, uncomfort in it. But we're going, to, we're going to practice. We're going to spend some time here practicing being a witness. Does everybody have one? If, there, if we're short, does anybody not have one? Joe doesn't. There's a whole, whole bunch of folks over here. Anybody not have one? There, if, for, uh, if Pastor Greg can hear my voice, I put the extra one in his box. He can make more if we need more. Anybody not have one? Looking good? Was one in the back here yet? Way in the back, way in the back. Standing? All right, four spiritual laws. Four spiritual laws is the gospel. It's the gospel laid out in, in four statements. 
The first law is this. What's a law? Law is something that's just kind of the way it's the way it is. It's the way it works. It's just, it is. It's just, you have to, you have to obey the stop sign. My, my daughter, or stop light, the stop light. This, mo- this morning, I have to, I have to repent. I have to confess. I was, uh, we were coming to work today, or coming to work. Coming to church this morning. This is work. I'm coming to work this morning. And we're in the car, and Tally's sitting next to me. We come to a stoplight. I am the only one at any four of the stoplights. And I know it's going to change any second, so I don't have my foot on the brake. And I'm just kind of rolling very... Tally's going, Dad, 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 Dad. I'm like, what? Well, she's right. It was the law to come to a full, complete stop. There's nobody. I mean, I'm justified, right? No, don't. Don't do that. You remember that verse back here that says, don't even uh, like the, the clothing associated with sin. All right, law. Law one, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Everybody just say that. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Now, you tell somebody that, do you think they're going to get mad at you? Well, some might. I mean, there's some, there's some, there's some hard cases out there. But, you know, how does that work into a conversation? How, does, how do you bring that into Because that's the, one of the hardest things about witnessing is, how do I bring this up? Well, today, in today's world, it's actually quite easy. Because anybody, you said, anybody, I don't care who it is, you, sta- you stand long enough and start talking to them, and sooner or later they're going to go, man, it's bad out there. It's bad. I mean, I just talked to a guy this week. I don't, I don't ever talk to him. I just I bumped into him. We were talking, and he goes, man, it's horrible out there. Now, I didn't do this. I'm just going to be, I didn't witness him. But he goes, man, it's horrible out there financially. He says, I'm trying to run a business, and it's not working, and blah, blah, blah. How easy would it be for me, for anyone to say, actually, God has a plan for your life. He has a plan to bless you. And in your, in your notes, I wrote in Jeremiah 29.11. God was speaking prophetically to Jeremiah, and he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for your life, and it's a good plan. So that's law number one. That's easy. God loves you and has a plan, a wonderful plan for your life. Law number two, man is sinful and separated from God. It's an easy one to work into that same conversation. Because they'll say, well, why? if God loves me, then why is it so bad? It's because the world's full of sin. And you know that. I know that. We all know. People are evil. People are not basically good. Hate to, say, hate to tell you that. Hate to burst any, you know, psycho, psychological bubber, bu- bubble. Bubber. Bubble. Bubber works, but bubble. People are not basically good. The Bible says people are inherently evil. They're full of sin. They were born in sin. The reason that there's evil in the world, the reason there's suffering in the world, it's not God's fault. He didn't create it that way. But man, because man was sinful, man chose to not listen to God. And whenever you choose to not listen to God, that's sin. And it could take all the different forms that it does. 
Man is sinful and separated from God. As a result, we cannot know God's wonderful plan for our lives. Why is my life so bad? Someone can ask you. Because you're separated from God. That's, that's a terrible thing to be separated from God. And, you, and because you're separated from God, you can't know God's plan for your life because you have no way of connecting with Him. You have to be connected with Him. And how do you connect? That's law number three. Jesus Christ is God's only provision for our sin. Through Jesus Christ, we, have, we can have our sins forgiven and be restored to a right relationship with God. Praise God. You don't leave them hanging. You don't leave them with no hope. You give them the hope. Even if you don't take it another step further. You, you know, I mean, I want you to take another step. You need to take it a step further. But even if you just tell them, God made a way. That, that way is Jesus Christ. He died on that cross for you. He bled. His, his blood forgave your sins because of what He did. He made a way for you to be in relationship with Him. And once you're in relationship with Him, you can know His plan for you. And that plan is good. The verse, I didn't read the verse for Law 2, Romans 12, 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. But Law number 3, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 says, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And He died for all, that those who, might, who, those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. That's a really long verse. That may be not the one, but I, I, I could throw, you could take the Roman road and put it in each one of those. I'm just giving you some other verses, some more verses to work with. And then law number four. We must place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior in order to receive the gift of salvation and know God's wonderful plan for our lives. Galatians 3.25 But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. He has a plan for you. God loves you and has a plan for you. And the reason that you're not walking that plan right now, and I'm not talking to you, you know what I'm talking because you don't, you're not experiencing that plan. Why is that? Because you're, you have sin in your life. We all had sin in our life. All, all people are born into a sinful world, and this world is a mess. It's right. It's a mess. But because of sin, it's not because God doesn't like the world. God loved the world, and because He loved the world, He gave His Son to die for it. Jesus came into the world, law number three. Jesus came into this world, died for your sins, shed His blood on the cross. All sins were forgiven. Every sin, every sin you've ever committed, every sin you're committing right this very second, every sin you'll ever commit in, in all of eternity, you know, for, all, for the rest of this world exists. He, for, he died for every one of those sins and made a way for there to be a relationship between you and Him. And then you can know His plan. Then you can know Him. And then lastly, that plan, Law 4, you have to put your faith in that. How, how do you answer that question if you were to die tonight? 
where would you go? Heaven or hell? Most people say, I don't know. If they're not saved, they, don't, they say, I don't know. Or I hope, I hope heaven. But the Bible says you can know these things. How do you know it? Because you put your faith in what He did on the cross. There's only one reason. Only one reason. You stand before Jesus and He asks, why should I let you in? There's only one answer. And that is because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because of His blood, I believe. It's the only thing I have to hang on to. I put my faith in Him. That's it. And that's the four spiritual laws. From there... We grow. It's time to grow. All right, so here's what I want you to do. We're going to take 10 minutes. 10 minutes, maybe a little less, maybe 8 minutes. I want you to find somebody else. I don't care who it is. Find somebody, not your relative, uh, not your best friend. Find somebody else and say, hey, let's do this real quick. Hurry up. He's making us do it. And if he doesn't do it, he's going to chastise us. So just do it really quick. Don't fight me on this. Let's just get her done. Go. Find somebody. Share these things. All right, thanks everybody for opportunity for me to speak a few words over the offering again. Um, I'll be kind of brief, but uh, the passage that I'd like to share today is Philippians 4, 13 through 19. And it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. This is Paul speaking. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You know, as we've said before, you know, God is our source for everything that we need. And he strengthened us for everything he has called us to do. We are the body of Christ in this location. We're called to serve each other. God uses others to come alongside us to share in our distress and help strengthen us in our walk with him. But God also uses us to come alongside each other to share in their, our distress and help strengthen them in their walk with him. Paul wrote this book while he was in prison, and he authored over half of the books in the New Testament. But he was a tent maker by trade, and we know that there were times when he performed that trade uh, to earn support. But there were other times, such as when he was in prison, uh, when he couldn't practice that trade, and he had to rely on the gifts and the offerings of others to provide for his physical needs. But he also provided for our spiritual needs through writing these books. So God supplies our physical needs through the work of our own hands, but also through other people. You know, God has, in Deuteronomy, tells us that God has given us the ability to produce wealth. And he's done that through the work of our hands, through the ideas that, that turn into occupations, etc., etc. But we have the ability to produce wealth not just for us, but for other people as well. We are blessed to be a blessing 
God can use the sharing of our resources to establish and maintain relationships, which is what the body of Christ is all about, right? Ministry, business, and other relationships and friendships. We share in the work of the body in this location through our financial offerings, but also through the sharing of our talents, our time, and our abilities. We share in the spreading of the gospel also through the support of our missionaries and various outreaches attached to this church and and other churches. Two weeks ago, we had the privilege of hearing uh, two missionaries that this church has had a relationship with for over 20 years speak. And also, this ties in with a few weeks ago, I spoke about um, purposeful giving. Well, in our family, the relationship that we've had with Light to the Nations has been an opportunity to do purposeful giving. Uh, Dan and are just a, a, an example, one example of purposeful giving for us, but they're also an example of over 20 years of being faithful, and they've been a consistent example of faithfulness when things have gone well, but especially when things haven't gone well. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we're in this together, right? Is when things are not necessarily going well for somebody else, we can prop them up through our giving or through our support, our time, our talents, etc. And so there are many opportunities to give into productive ministries here at uh, River Valley Christian Church. Um, we have on our website links to other ministries. And we have opportunities, like Pastor John had, had talked about the movie that they watched last night, Tortured for Christ. That um, movie was produced by an organization called Voice of the Martyrs. Voice of the Martyrs has been around a long time, and they provide support for persecuted people throughout the world. And so if you're interested in that book or in that movie, uh, the movie is available on YouTube, but it's also available at persecution.com, which is Voice of the Martyrs' website, for an offering. But the book is free, so you can go out to persecution.com, you can get the free book, you can get the movie if you'd like. Um, You can also get a copy of Fox's Book of Martyrs, and those of us who've been around for a while, I think, remember that book from many, many years ago. Um, So with that plug, I just want to say, you know, we are blessed to be a blessing. I say that a lot, but we represent Christ to the world and to the people around us. Uh, the various ways to give are you can bring your offering to the back table there with offering envelopes and put them in the, the, the box, the Ark of the Covenant there. Uh, and you can bring them to the office Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Or you can mail them to River Valley Christian Church. 5900 Lake Elmo Avenue, Lake Elmo, Minnesota, 55042. And there's also a place at ccc.info slash donate where you can give through PayPal. And um, there's also, when you give through PayPal, if you're designating for ministry, uh, other than the general fund, you can you can designate that there as well. Um, before I pray, I'd like to give a quick update on Karis. You know, we are a, a site for uh, Karis Bible College. Uh, classes are starting up in a couple of weeks. There is still time to register if you'd like to register for Karis Bible College. 
Um, you can go online and, and see what a little bit of that is about. We also started last Thursday uh, four sessions of Healing University. Um, first one I think went really well. There's still uh, the ability to, to sign up or show up on Thursday at 7 in the, in the children's room. And we're going to run it through the month of August, see how it goes, and skip a month and then possibly probably start up again in October. So if you have any questions on either one of those, you can come and talk to me after the service. I also want to put a plug in one of our favorite or my favorite instructors from Karis uh, Bible College uh, is coming to speak on the 23rd. And uh, uh, <laughs> drawing a blank on her name. Uh, Thank you, Carrie Pickett is. <laughs> yeah, there's my favorite, right? Okay. Well, anyway, I'll never forget what's her name, right? Um, so she'll be here in a couple of weeks, and uh, welcome hopefully. to my world. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, thanks. I, I better pray and, and hand this one over. Uh, Father God, we do thank you for this opportunity to give. Father, we thank you for all of the abilities and talents you've given each and every one of us. Father, your word says that every joint supplies. And Father, we do thank you that you put us here together in this place. We thank you for the opportunity to share our talents, our time, and our resources and finances. And we ask your blessing on each person, on every gift, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yes, thank you so much for your giving. Real quick, uh, won't take more than a moment, um, every student or someone who is leaving this week to go to college, to go to whatever, please stand real quick, wherever you're here. If you're going to college or to university, and then to ask somebody, Tally's back there. Yep, yep. Anybody else? Anybody else? Where's Stephanie? Stephanie. Stephanie. Well, I thought you were leaving this week. Can you just leave this week? Don't come. No, I'm just kidding. So it's next. Oh. <laughs> so you're not leaving. So you'll be here next Sunday also. Well, I'm not praying for you next Sunday. But so we can pray for. Let's just lay hands. Everybody who's around them, everybody who's around them, just lay hands on them right where, right where they're at. And let's just pray for them real quick. Father God, we do thank you so much for these that are heading out wherever they're headed in different directions, different uh, uh, locations, different situations. Father, we just pray a blessing on them right now that as we send them out, Father, in faith, that they will, we will see a harvest in their life in many ways. Bless them, Father. Father, I pray for their families and especially their moms and dads as they uh, head out. And we just pray for that, whatever emotions and all that kind of stuff to, to be good. Be full of life and full of hope. Thank you for it, Lord. Bless them, protect them, watch over them everywhere they go, and we just thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.